Broadcasting live from the beautiful Georgia World Congress Center for FinTech South 2023. It's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, live from FinTech South 2023, celebrating FinTech leaders from around the world. Right now, we have Lara Hodgson with Now. She's the author of a new book, Level Up, Rise Above the Hidden Forces Holding Your Business Back. Welcome, Lara. Thank you. So tell me about the book. How'd this come about? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, A friend of mine that I went to business school with uh, saw me post something about congratulating Stacey Abrams on an award she had won. And she said, oh, my gosh, how did I not know that you were business partners? And I thought, well, I don't know how you would know that. I don't walk around with a sign on my forehead or anything like that. Um, and she said, that is so fascinating to me because people obviously know the policy side of Stacy's life. And Stacy obviously is a very successful author in both fiction and nonfiction fiction books. But nobody knew about her business background. And I think what intrigued people the most, and it's, it's a big theme in the book, is Stacy and I are not the same. We are very different on almost every axis, quite frankly. I mean, we have very different backgrounds. We have different ideologies. And many people will say, how do you overcome the challenge of your differences? But we would tell you, as we do in the first chapter, that our differences are, in fact, our superpower. So uh, talk a little bit about um, her role in now and your role in now and how you're able to kind of have that synergy and combine the superpowers to create a super business like now. So Stacey and I met in 2004 in Leadership Atlanta. At the time, she was the deputy attorney for the city of Atlanta. I was running a real estate development company called Dewberry Capital. We spent a year looking at challenges around the city of Atlanta. And at the end of that program, she was actually leaving her job to run for state office for the first time. I was leaving my job because I was pregnant with my son and I was about to become a mother. And I said, you know, you're the smartest person I've ever met. We should do something together. And she said, well, you're the smartest person I've ever met. We should do something together. And then we said, what should we do? And I think there's an interesting lesson in that, in that most people focus so much on the idea and not enough time on the people. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that you can have an average idea with amazing people and have every chance of success. But if you have an amazing idea with only average people, you have very little chance of success. So from there, Stacy and I started the first of three companies um, together. We started a consulting company called Insomnia because we don't sleep. Uh, we started a company called Nourish, which was our patented bottled water for children. And it was that business growing to death that caused us to start Now Account, start the company now. So then when you started working together and you had the first iteration, I guess, consulting, mm-hmm. which... The consulting kind of is the probably low hanging fruit, right. right? Like that's like we're both smart. Hey, that's we're right. Just, right? That yeah, was, we were yeah. like Mikey on the Life commercial. <laughs> right. If you have an impossible problem, give it to us. <laughs> right. We'll solve it. So now, when you're doing that, and I would assume that since there's three iterations, that right. that wasn't going the way that you wanted to go, or, or maybe to the amount you wanted. No, to actually, do. it was incredibly successful. So it was super successful. It was super successful. Um, we had great clients. We were growing. One of the things we recognized with a consulting company is you don't make money while you sleep. 
because right. your unit of value is time. Right. And Stacy and I are incredibly efficient compared to most humans, but we're still limited to 24 hours in a day. The reason we started Nourish is I had my son. I birthed a child after the mm-hmm. nine months. And as I was going to meetings and I had him in the carrier and in the car, he was constantly spilling things everywhere. And I showed up one day for a meeting with Stacy and my son had spilled something all over me. I was complaining would be the politically correct way to say it, but there's a much better way to say it. Um, as I walked in, I was just complaining about the fact that he had spilled things. And I was like, somebody has got to make a spill proof bottled water for kids. And she looked at me and said, why don't we do it? Right. Be the change you want in the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the all innovation comes from the demand side of a problem. <laughs> right. And I was on the demand side of the problem. And you did enough market research. We no, you know, I mean, that that's that's nice. That's what they teach you in business school. But honestly, we had the idea. We, we did some focus groups with some friends of mine that also had young children and said, hey, would this be interesting to you? They said, yes, we cobbled together our own money to get the molds made and get the first couple of bottles made. And we had our first sale with the parody shops. And so off we went. But we kept the consulting company until Nourish had taken off. Because, you know, while people like to think that entrepreneurs love risk and they just live in their garage and eat Cheetos until like they make it and they're a unicorn, that's not how most people do it. I could not not have an income. I had a child in the house. She could not not have an income. So the consulting company gave us great current income. It gave us flexibility because as Nourish grew, we could actually not take another project and dial that down so that we could launch Nourish. And then from Nourish, that birth now? Nourish, absolutely birth now. I mean, uh, you know, again, just like Insomnia was wildly successful, Nourish was wildly successful. And within a few months, we had gone from shipping 10 and 20 cases here and there to airport shops around the country to large orders from Whole Foods that were truckloads instead of cases. And when you get an order for a truckload, there's a lot of zeros on the end of that. Right. And what we realized is that they wouldn't give us a credit card when they when we ship the product. And I thought that's how commerce works, right? I give you product, you give me money. That's right. the way it's supposed to work. I guess even on Popeyes, though, you know, what I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. <laughs> yeah, the so wimpy formula. The wimpy formula. Right. That's what we all use. And so, you know, we got this first big order from Whole Foods. We started to cheer the fact that we had bagged the big deal and we were going to be on the cover of Fortune. And somewhere in there, you start to do the math and realize, wait a minute, that's a lot of zeros that I have to pay my vendors and my employees. And, and wait. And wait. Mm-hmm. Right. And I quickly realized net 30 is just a suggestion. It doesn't right. actually mean you're going to get paid in 30 days. Um, you know, you might as well write net pay me when you feel like it on an invoice. Especially that would be way more firms. accurate, like there Whole seem, Foods, right? right? The larger firms seem to take more take advantage longer. than a lot of the because smaller Because they can. Firms. Right. Because what am I going to do? Right. What am I going to say? And, I'm not selling to you anymore. Right. They'd say, fine. There's a line <laughs> of people waiting for your shelf exactly. space. So... As we had this issue, we took the order. It took the first order, I think, took almost four months to get paid. And meanwhile, more orders are coming in. I need to make more product. I'm going to my suppliers saying, guess what? More orders. And they're like, guess what? You haven't paid us yet. And I said, well, of course not. Nobody here has been paid. Um, and that's when everybody said, well, you just have a working capital issue. You should get a line of credit or try factoring. Right. And then and- you know how easy that is. Well, and not only that, but I'll be honest, I'm not a banker. I was an aerospace engineer. It's very good for rocket science jokes, but not so much for finance. 
And so when people said, you just have a working capital issue, I said, well, how do I get rid of it? And they said, well, you can go borrow money. You can get a line of credit. And I thought, why am I borrowing money? I'm the free bank to Whole Foods. They should borrow money and pay me faster. But we all know how that works, right? <laughs> what, did that, you make that suggestion to them? You know, I did at one point go to them and say, why don't you just pay me with a credit card? Wouldn't that be easier? Because then I would get paid immediately and you can pay your visa bill whenever you feel like it. And they smiled, but they said no, because they said, if we pay you with a card, we now owe the bank. And if we don't pay it on the deadline, interest and penalties. But if we don't pay your net 30 invoice on the 30th day, nothing happens. Nothing bad happens to us. So No, it's right. kind of like a Seinfeld episode, <laughs> right? Like you can take the order, but you can't actually fulfill the order. Um, and so... That's when I was like, there has got to be a better way. Like small businesses, the largest lender in the United States is not a bank. It's not SBA. It's small businesses. Because last year, small businesses originated over $11 trillion of, of, of loans to their customers. Right. They look like invoices. Right. That's a free loan that you yeah. just made. And, the, and that reframing birth now. Absolutely. I remember the very first event I spoke at at SBA and I thought, you know, how do I introduce this concept? And I was on a panel with a bunch of bankers and they each introduced themselves and immediately launched into things like, you know, LIBOR and um, pers personal guarantees and basis points. And, um, and I could just see the room of small business owners sitting lower and lower in their chair. They came to the event optimistic. They were getting less so as they heard about all the things they could not get. And so I started and I said, you know, first of all, how many people think a, ba a BIP is something that happens on your computer and you wish it would go away, right? So let's like lose the jargon. But more importantly, I said, how many of you sell a product? About half the room raised their hand. How many of you sell a service? The other yeah, half yeah. raised their hand. How many of you started a bank? And they all looked <laughs> at me. And I said, every single one of you is a free bank to your customers. You just don't realize it. And I have to be honest, there was a gentleman in the back that yelled out like, hallelujah. Like, I thought we were in a Baptist <laughs> revival. Like we were, people were getting excited, but I think it's this epiphany people have. Right. Well, it's the, they're not, they don't not seeing it that way. No, because we're all told it's the cost of doing business. Right. But quite frankly, the cost of doing business shouldn't be your business. Right. And that's what it is, right? Is if I have to be the free bank to Whole Foods for 30, 60, 90 days, then unfortunately, I either take the order and go out of business. Actually, I grow out of business or I don't take the order, which is what, what most small businesses do is they turn down orders. Now, have you ever started a company to turn down orders? That's right. called a That's, hobby. It's right? not Those in the business businesses. plan. That's a right. hobby. And people's business plan, they're like, yeah, hey, we're going to turn down about, you know, or, a third of right, our... Exactly. But I think what it also makes people realize is... The word small and small business should not be a permanent status. Right. But for many people, it is. Now, if you want it to be, like you want to have a lifestyle business that when you're done, it's done. I think that is perfectly fine. But if you want to grow and you can't because you're an indentured lender to your customers, I, I just think not only is that wrong, but if you could undo that, the entire U.S. economy grows exponentially. And that's the mission? And that is the mission. Our mission is to allow small businesses to grow fear fearlessly. So for people who don't know, talk about how that works for a small business. Yeah. How would they kind of tap into the uh, into now and then now yeah. account? 
So if you're a small business and your customer is another business or a government or a nonprofit, it just can't be a person. So let's say you're a landscaper. If you're landscaping my house, you wouldn't use now account because I'm an individual and I'm likely to give you a credit card. You probably have it on file. Mm -hmm. But if you're invoicing, let's say you're landscaping the local school, you are most likely going to show up, do the landscaping and send them an invoice. They're not going to pay you that day. Right. And when you send them that invoice, if you know that they're going to pay you in one or two days, then you should just wait. If you, if they're willing to give you a credit card, you should take it. But 98% of the time, what they're going to say is send me an invoice. I'd like net 30 terms or net 15 or net 60. Or if you're selling to Coca-Cola, it's net 120 these days. If that is a burden, which it is for everybody, by the way, um, and you would prefer to get paid immediately, then when you deliver the good or service, you send your invoice to the school, you upload a copy onto your Now Account app. It's on your phone. It's on your laptop. You upload a copy of it. We will verify the invoice, make sure all the information is correct. We will pay you the full amount of the invoice minus a one-time 3.5% merchant fee, and you typically get paid in two days. So you upload the invoice, you're going to get paid the full amount of the invoice minus 3.5% fee in two days. You book your revenue as cash, and you book a 3.5% expense. You're done. You have no accounts receivable. Right. Your customer still got the invoice. The school still received your invoice. It still said net 30. They're not going to pay it in 30 days. Somewhere around 55 days, they'll get around to paying it. They're going to make out the check or the ACH or the wire to you. But the remittance address that was on your invoice goes to my lockbox. Mm-hmm. So when every day when we open our lockbox, nothing is made out to now account. It's made out to all of our clients, but we paid them 60 days ago. Right. And so the beautiful thing is for our clients, they go from having a day's sales outstanding of 40, 50, 60 days to two. And imagine what that does. You have all your revenue, including your margin, right up front. So you can hire more people. You can take on that big account. You can add more inventory. And so one of our clients the other day said, you are like, well, A, you're my secret weapon for sales. And B, they said, you're like, outsourced accounts receivable because I don't have it anymore. Right. It goes away. Yeah. So they said, I said, well, here's the unfortunate thing. Although maybe it's not, it could be a very good marketing campaign. If if we're AR as a service, the acronym is not SAS, it's our ass. (laughs) But it kind of (laughs) is. Right. Because it's not yours anymore. Exactly. It's so your, it's your problem. It's my problem. <laughs> You're That's waiting right. 120 I'm days. taking that out and I'm waiting because I have protection like insurance. I have cheaper capital. I can wait longer. Right. And so I'm doing all that borrowing so that you don't have to. So now in the book, what are some of the kind of key points in the book that an entrepreneur can benefit from? Well, you know, so I'll be the first one to say I can't stand business books. Mm-hmm. I don't like them. They drive me crazy. You can usually read the first chapter and you've learned all of it. Like the rest of it is just reiterating the same thing. So when it was suggested we write this book, I sort of thought to myself, oh my gosh, I don't even like business books. And so it's really the arc of the book tells the story of how Stacy and I met in 2004. Mm -hmm. We talk about how incredibly different we are and yet how we were able to use that as a positive, not a negative. And so it talks about all of those businesses, the ones that failed, the ones that succeeded, the one that turned into Now Account. And then we very honestly take you through Now Account up until today. And anyone will tell you that the key to entrepreneurship is staying alive long enough to get lucky. 
So we have many near-death experiences, which we share in there. And so what people have said about it is, I had someone say that it's a business book that reads like a thriller. I don't know if that's a good thing, that my life is a thriller. Um, And I even had a gentleman say that it was a great beach read, which has never (laughs) been said about a business book ever. But I think what we do is in each chapter, we share an experience that we faced in many cases. You humanize. Yes. And we share what we were feeling. There are many times in this book where my head is on a steering wheel crying because I feel like I've messed up. And um, and even to the point where when we did the audio book, you hear my voice crack when I'm reading it because it's painful to relive it again. But I think it's so important coming out of the pandemic, more businesses are being started than ever before. But at the same time, we're in an entrepreneurship crisis because the vast majority of what looks like new businesses are not businesses yet. They're jobs. People are starting a job for themselves. Right. And if we want some of those to become businesses, we have to share not just the good, not the sexy shark tank stories, but the ugly. Right. Right. The, the good, the, the bad, the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And quite frankly, the ugly is the one that you learn the most from. Mm-hmm. And so... It is very raw. It is very real. We talk about situations where, for example, we were sitting in front of a company, um, a very old school, large Fortune 50 company, and Stacy felt like they wouldn't ever address her. And she didn't understand why I didn't notice that. So we even talk about the times when we had conflict as partners. Right. Um, and so we talk about the pitfalls, the conflicts, the things we did wrong, and then at the end of each chapter, we offer up lessons for how we would have done it differently or how should you think about it. And so it's interesting because I've had everyone from veterinarians to pastors say, you know what, Laura, this actually is not a business book. It's a book about life. Well, and I think it's needed in today's uh, environment that's so polarizing uh, where people who don't aren't exactly the same are having a hard time, yes. you know, having conversations and then business it seems like it, that's a good area where people should be getting right. along and differences should be embraced and celebrated to serve people better. In the, Not at the only end of the should day. they, but they have to be. And I'll be honest, the reason I was willing to write the book at a time when we were both very busy is I, I, have, a, I have a son who's a senior in high school and I cringe when I see him growing up in a world that basically says to him, if you're not with me, you're against me. Right. This polarization, as you mentioned, not only is it sad, it is, um, it's critical. Because you can't have innovation if we only surround ourselves with people that are like us. And we have got to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And we have to go back at looking at those differences as a massive opportunity, not a challenge. And so for Stacey and I, we often say the reason we've been able to innovate is when two people are polarly opposite, we can look at the problem from a 360 degree view. Right. No one else can do that. No single human can possibly see more than 180. Right. And so I do think we have got to teach people, particularly this younger generation, that it's not about retrenching into your tribe. It's not about being around people that look and talk and and, and speak like like you. you. It's about surround yourself with people that are different. And that is your superpower. Right. But you have to have the, you have to be civil. You have to kind of respect their opinion. You have to be curious. It can't be a good and evil 
conversation no, at and, all times. Right. So what Stacy and I often say, because people say, how in the world do you guys, you know, do this? I mean, let's be honest, when she was first elected to the Georgia State House of Representatives, I was appointed to the Greta board, the transportation board by the then Republican governor. And people were like, how does that work? We said it works amazing. Right. In and fact, if the rest the, of the world worked this way. Right. But there a, was a time when that wasn't that's unusual. Right. That's right. That's where, right. Where both sides can have conversations and hang out together. And what Stacy and I say is the key to that, the key to getting back to that is you have to be curious first and critical second. Which means if I say something that is polarly opposite to what you believe, the very first thing you should be doing is applying curiosity. Right. That's interesting. Not judgment. Why do you, not judgment. <laughs> not criticalness. You, right. have, you have the rest of your life to be judgmental and critical. Right. But for just a second, fathom that a person that doesn't agree with you could have a nugget that's true. Right. Because in that requires delight, a lot of empathy requires patience. It requires empathy. But let's be honest, in this beautifully diverse country of ours, we can't all fit neatly in one of two buckets. It's not possible. Right. So we're all somewhere in the middle. We're all this beautiful mix. Right. It's more nuanced, obviously. It is. And you have to have the grace and the patience and to to move in the middle and consider. Uh, Stacy and I often say, if she has one way of doing it and I have another way of doing it, the best way is actually an unknown third mm-hmm. that neither one of us know yet. Right. But you have to have the courage to go there because it's not comfortable. And it's funny because a lot of people, when it's your tribe, you give them the benefit of the doubt. For but sure. when it's not, you don't. You ex- you assume the worst. Well, I and find we it just in- got to get past that. I find it interesting that people seem to decide whether they would agree with something, not based on what it is, but based on who said it. Right. I was like, but you haven't listened to it yet. Because I find people that are very different from me have incredibly valid points. Right. And that doesn't change who I am in any way. Right. It doesn't lessen or weaken no. you at all. It no. only makes, makes you it stronger and better. Because Correct. now I'm learning from somebody That's else. That's right. That's right. So if somebody wants to learn more about now, where should they go? You can go to www.nowaccount.com. And then to get the book? To get the book, you can, well, of course, you can go to Amazon Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But Stacey and I love to encourage people to go to independent bookstores because those are your small business owners. They're part of the fabric of your community. So we always tell people to go to your local small bookstore. All right, Laura. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing such important work, and we appreciate you. Thank you. All right, this is Lee Cantor back in a few at Fintech South 2023. 